Good morning. It's my privilege to um, pray for our church, for us this morning. And uh, right from last week, it's just been on my heart and mind to pray for our children this morning, whether it's our own children that are children, children, whether it's our children who are adult children, whether it's just children we're connected with um, and in the world. So please uh, join me in prayer and make make these prayers your own as um, I speak, uh, connect in with God um, and pray with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are Father God, Lord, and you are the perfect parent. Lord, you are perfect in your love, perfect in your discipline, just um, abundant in grace and mercy and care for us as your children. And Lord, as we come here this morning, um, we bring to you our children, Lord, our children who are still children, our children who are now adults, Lord. And we just bring them before you, Lord. Um, Lord, our, our children pull in our heartstrings uh, as we watch them grow and develop and make choices. And Lord, we just ask your protection over them. Uh, protection from physical dangers, um, protection from uh, emotional things. Just gather them to you, Lord. Uh, you call children to you and we just lift our children up to you, Lord. And show us how to parent them. Lord, just uh, let us never be a block between or a barrier between them and you. Show us, Lord, how that we can shine a light of who you are to them. And, Lord, it's not just our own children that we bring to you. We just uh, lift up other children that are within our realm of life, whether it's grandchildren or nieces and nephews, um, children of friends, Lord. We think of them now, Lord. Show us again how to be a light in their lives to you. And Father, we too bring those children that are well outside our world, our, our, our being, that are in the world. Lord, we bring you children that have no parents, that have lost their parents for some reason. Um, just thinking so many families have been rocked and children who have lost their parents to COVID, lost their parents in war, lost their parents because of emotional difficulties. And, Lord, we bring them to you. Lord, gather them close to you. Protect those children too. Um, bring them people in their lives that can show you, show them who you are and to gather them to you. So, Father, we lift up all the children from those who are our own to those within the world, Lord. You call children to you. Gather them to you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Mon. Um, it's my pleasure to invite David Smythe up for the word this morning. So welcome back, Dave. Great to have you. Come on up. So, Picture Parables, Part 3. Parts 1 and 2 were preached in September and November 2019. I'm sure you remember them well. No, don't feel bad, either do I. <laughs> the sermon subtitle, Looking for God in the Everydayness of Life. So really it's not a sermon today, just a lot of short stories. Life's lessons from God's classroom. Where is God's classroom? Everywhere. I believe God wants to be with us, encourage us, teach us, reach us in his everyday classroom. 
Scripture supports my belief. Jeremiah 23, 24. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. See, God speaks through his word and his world, through the voice of his prophet and his planet, the book of scripture and the book of nature. Psalm 19, 1 to 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where your voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Moving into the New Testament, Romans 1.21. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men and women, boys and girls really, are without excuse. And so the picture parables, pictures that contain a parable. What's a parable? Parable means comparison. A comparison drawn from everyday life and nature designed to teach a spiritual truth. Of course, the best-known Parable teacher, Jesus. Over 40 different parables of Jesus are recorded in the Gospels. So my picture parables. These are simply things I've seen and photographed that God has spoken me to me through. As we look at my picture parables, you may think, is this God's revelation or just David Smythe's imagination? Well, probably a bit of both. But I think it's a God-sanctified imagination, a God-filled imagination for which I am truly thankful. Each picture parable could be a sermon subject, subject on its own, but not today. Today I'm going to touch on a lot with a little. So ten picture parables. So let's go for it. The first one, a yakka. The message that the yakka spoke to me. Look up. There is a God who loves us, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving God. Psalm 105.4 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Isaiah 40.26, Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Psalm 121.1, message. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? And the answer, no. My strength comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth and the mountains. Now the word look, looked and looking occurs over 630 times in the Bible. So I think we ought to heed the advice of scripture and the advice of the yakka. Let's look up. But I think there's another message in the yakka, and that is one way. There's one way to connect with God, and that is Jesus. Back, uh, you know, a few years now, lots of years, Christians all used to give the one-way signal. In fact, I remember going to a conference in Sydney, a charismatic conference, and we were all encouraged so many times, give the one-way signal. But it's a good signal. 
because scriptures we all know well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The name Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a wonderful message that the Yaka points out. Second picture parable. Railway line, just up here at Belair. The rails speak to me of God's rules for living. If a train goes off the rails, trouble. If a person goes off the rails, trouble. Sadly, so many people want to make their own rules, lay down their own rails. They haven't read Proverbs 14.12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Just listen to these beautiful words in Psalm, Psalm 119. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and who seek him with all their heart. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Your statutes are my delight and they are my counsellors. Good advice, stay on God's rails. They will take you on a great journey and to a good destination. Next picture parable. Not far from where I took that photograph. I believe the tunnel can speak of darkness, difficulty, disappointment, trial and trouble. Have you noticed that sometimes life takes us into a tunnel? When I was a young Christian, a young man, I used to sing. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> life is wonderful. Yes, it's wonderful. Life is wonderful now to me. I let Jesus in. He changed everything. Life is wonderful now to me. Well, as time's gone by, I've changed the words. I now sing, life is difficult. Yes, it's difficult. Life is difficult now for me. I let Jesus in. He took away my sin. But life's still difficult now. Who builds the tunnel? Sometimes God. He sent a big fish to swallow Jonah. Sometimes the devil. He attacked Job, caused him great pain and heartache. Sometimes people cause the tunnel. Paul was punished and persecuted by people. Sometimes we create our own tunnel. We make choices that lead us into a tunnel. The Bible is full of such examples. David committed adultery. Peter denied the Lord three times. The prodigal son selfishly lived in sin. And then sometimes things just happen in this fallen world. But here's a great thing about tunnels, God and us. Romans 8.28, you'll know this one too. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him 
and have been called according to his purpose. Now it's not saying that all that comes our way is good, but God is able and wanting to work with us to bring good into our lives as a result of the darkness and the tunnel. We've all travelled by train to the city from Blackwood, Blair. Everything's bright, blue sky, green trees, and all of a sudden you're in a tunnel. Darkness. Look around, darkness. But then when you come out of the tunnel, have you noticed that your eyes are sensitised to the light? It's so much brighter than when you even went in. It seems that way anyway. And I want to say that we can come out of the darkness the trial, the trouble, the difficulty, the disappointment with a greater sensitivity, understanding and appreciation of the light and love of God. We can be a better person owing to the lessons learned. We can have more empathy and understanding of and for others in their difficulties. Jonah, when he became a burp on the beach, he was a better man. Job, after his troubles, he said, my ears had heard of you, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Paul was just filled with so much thankfulness that God had called him to serve Jesus and proclaim the gospel. He considered it an honour and privilege to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, and he knew that great blessing was up ahead. David, Peter and the prodigal, all rejoiced in the loving forgiveness of God. Here's the great truth that maybe we learn from the tunnel. God wants to work in everything for our good, even the tunnels that we find ourselves in. No, not everything is good, but God can recycle the darkness and bring blessing our way. God's recycling grace, someone said. God promises it will never leave or forsake us. He'll stay with us in the tunnel. You're in a tunnel. God will be there with you. Our responsibility is stay with God, stay on the rails. And God will bring us out of the tunnel and into his glorious light. You're feeling it so dark in the tunnel, you can't see Jesus' hand. Well, I tell you this, you'll feel his hand on your shoulder. Next parable, an anthill up at Blair National Park. Proverbs said, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. When I do this, I think of persistence, determination, keeping on and teamwork. Tiny ants built this big heap of earth. It's the roof of their house. If we go down underground, we'll be even more amazed as we see the tunnels and rooms that they've built. Ants achieve this by persistence, determination, keeping on and teamwork. It's a lesson for us. Life is not a dash, but a long distance run. We will only make it we will only make it to the finish line without we won't make it to the finish line without persistence and determination. Keeping on, keep on is a Bible instruction. It's a shout of encouragement. Proverbs twenty seven twelve. Keep going. Proverbs 7.2, keep God's commands. Proverbs 20.20, keep to the paths of righteousness. Luke 12.25, keep your lamps burning. Acts 27.22, keep up your courage. Jude 21, keep yourself in God's love. Galatians 5.25, 
Keep in step with the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, keep on praying. 1 Timothy 5.22, keep yourself pure. 2 Timothy 4.5, keep your head in all situations. Hebrews 13.1, keep on loving each other. I think Romans 2.7 probably sums it up. Persist in doing good. Keep on doing good. Here's a key foundational truth. Where do we get the encouragement and strength to persist? The answer, we persist because of our purpose and hope in God. If we have no purpose or hope, we can lose our resolve to persist. The Bible says this, your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope. So the love of God, faith in him and our great hope will give us passion and purpose to persist. Yes, we may at times stumble and fall, but our love, faith and hope in God will give us the strength to get up and keep on. Winston Churchill's quote, success is stumbling from one failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Isaiah 40, 31, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Thank you, God. Thank you, ants. One final little word. Ants are amazing little insects, but they don't achieve as individuals. They work together as a team. They build that mound as a team. They dig their tunnels and rooms underground together. Philippians 1.19, strive together for the faith of the gospel. Now, God is not wanting us to be ants, but to learn from them and to be his loving servants. Next, picture parable. Going up Blair National Park. This bushy shrub caught my eye. What did it say to me? It said to me, David, and everyone... Don't worry about your hairstyle, (laughs) your body shape or fashion. Just be the best you can. Now, it was surrounded by gum trees, other impressive trees, yakas, plants, but it didn't seem to be completing or envious of the others. It just rested in who it was. Now, in our journey of life, we see so many differences. Tall, short, skinny, not so skinny. Male, female, hair, fizzy, fuzzy, falling out, crew cut, no cut, professor, tradie, gold medal winner, bronze medal winner, no medal at all, fashion, flares and tights, short and long, ties and t-shirts, minis and mighties. The lesson, it's not about being the best but doing your best. Appreciating the difference, appreciating one another. Some words from the plant at Belair National Park and the Apostle Peter that applied to us all, both from the message translation. Just listen, they're so good. From 1 Peter. But all of you, leaders and followers alike, are to be down to earth with each other for God's had it with the proud. 
but takes delight in just plain people. So be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. What matters is not your outward appearance, the styling of your hair, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition that God delights in. We now come to the waterfall. Hadn't been here before, but a few weeks ago I went to Ingalala Falls at Normanville. I love saying it, Ingalala. Waterfalls, flowing water in creeks and rivers sing a beautiful song, don't they? The song speaks of refreshing, cleansing, blessing, God's spirit and life. God's spirit is described as living water that will fill us with God's love, truth and life eternal. Psalm 42.1, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Psalm 63.1, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Well, Jesus made it possible for that thirst to be quenched. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. There's nothing better, is there, than a cold drink of water on a hot day. Well, I reckon there's nothing better than being filled with the Spirit of God in a dry and thirsty land. As the water is available to drink at the foot of the waterfall, so God's life giving spirit is available as we come to God by making Jesus our saviour and leaning our life upon him but put it simply Jesus simply said ask and I'll give you this living water to find a little point here we don't just drink one glass of water and that's it do we and say oh yeah ten years ago I had a glass of water the same with the infilling of the Spirit, with drinking of God's Spirit. In fact, we're told in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. And there's a presence tense in this verse which implies be filled and be being filled. We should drink of God's living water every day as we journey along the way. Next picture parable. Yes, he makes you laugh, but he's a beautiful little dog. What does he say to me? Well, his little face says to me, David, I want you to love me and just accept me for who I am. And he says, David, if you do that, I'm going to love you with all my heart. Now, the Bible gives us clear instruction that love is the most important, powerful and beautiful of all character qualities. We're told above all else, love God and love one another. In John 4.16 we read, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Well, I think that dogs so often display and teach us the character qualities of love. I can hear Judy Potter saying, Amen. (laughs) Well, listen to these words from uh, the doggy New Testament. 
You've got friendship in the wagon of a tail. You've got loyalty that will never, ever fail. He's your hound dog and he's loving as can be. He's someone can help you chase your problem up a tree. His barking may be messy, but he wants to say hello. You can be quite certain that he'll follow where you go. Just pat him on the head and scratch behind his ears and you'll have a loyal friend for many, many years. This little dog speaks to me of love, a parable of God's love. And I think it's no coincidence that dog is God spelt backwards. (laughs) Here we go, number eight. Now, this dilapidated house was at Kalka, just a few kilometres from Streaky Bay on the Air Peninsula. Now, you may not be able to read the sign or you may be able to read it. Can you read it? The new owner, Jesus. Make a smile. Well, it did me. I just smiled. The new owner, Jesus. It was in this little place. There's about two houses, one little church and one shed. That's it. Made me smile. But then it spoke more to me. It spoke to me of Jesus' humility and priority. Firstly, his humility. The very start, we see the humility of heaven, of God. God chose for his only son to be born in an animal stable, not a five-star hotel. Luke 2.7 tells us that because there was no room in the inn, a stable was used for sheltering, used for sheltering animals was made available. Jesus was born in a manger, an animal feeding trough. What a humble start. Well, the humility continued. We know Jesus said, I'm gentle and humble of heart. And we know that Jesus made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. His priority, to demonstrate the love of God the Father. His message spoke of priority. Seek first the kingdom of God, he said. Don't store up treasure on earth, but do store up treasure in heaven. Life doesn't consist of abundance of possessions, but to be rich towards God. His example spoke of priority. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I like what the message translation says. You ready to rough it, guys? Talking to his disciples. We are not staying in the best inns, you know. Now, I actually reckon, do with this what you like, but I actually reckon Jesus would have been happy to stay and shelter in that old house in the picture on his journey. Seems to fit his humility and priority and example. I just want to underline the fact, Jesus is not saying it's not okay to own a nice home and have material possessions. But he's saying don't overdo it and don't let those things be the centre of your world. If you've got a lot, be generous with it. Jesus' wise advice, what does it profit anyone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Be rich in relationship with God. The lessons from the old house, humility and priority. Now I'm sitting... uh, uh, on a bench down at Summerton. You probably all sat there. Mike Stewart certainly has. It's near his grandfather's house. Grandpa, got that right? 
And uh, I'm, I'm just looking out over the beautiful sea and uh, the blue sky. I'm looking at the sand and watching people go past with their loving dogs. And I turned, there was a big pine tree right next to me. And peeking out from the great big pine tree, the trunk on the pine tree was my next picture parable. This is what I saw. A cross formed by the needle-like leaves on a very small branch on a big pine tree. It was eye level about one metre in front of me. As I looked at that, the blue sky, the sea, the sand, the people faded. And I was transported to Golgotha, Jerusalem, to the cross of Christ. And I believe that the cross of Christ is the centre event of all events, past, present and future. It's where God won for us our salvation. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin so that we could be forgiven and in our relationship with God. He died that we might live. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus demonstrated this love. We're told, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I love the words of Paul's to the Corinthians and to us this morning. He said, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. And that's how we need to keep it. We've made it far too complicated. We've made it all religious. Forget it. Paul said, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified on the cross. May we all understand and embrace the significance of the cross today. My final picture parable. don't know where I was. I think I was down at Cliffs or Dinger or somewhere and saw the sunset. Spoke to me of God's supernatural power. And then to the thought of Jesus' return, his second coming. Yes, Jesus was crucified, he died, but he rose from the dead, he's alive. Forty days after his resurrection, he was with his disciples on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. He was taken up into the sky before their eyes. And then a cloud hid him from their sight. Suddenly two angels appeared and stood beside them. Isn't it funny? You used to always think those two angels were floating around in the cloud. But it says they appeared and they stood beside them. They were right there on the Mount of Olives with the disciples. And they said, men of Galilee... Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. Other scriptures confirm this fact. Luke 21, 27. He will come in a cloud with power and glory. 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. He will come down from heaven. Archangels will shout. Trumpets will blast. Revelation 1, 7. He is coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him. Of course, the big question, when? Jesus' words, keep watch because you do not know the day and the hour. But we know he's coming back to make all things new. A new heaven, a new earth. It'll fully outwork our redemption, our salvation. What a great time awaits us. It's going to be good. But when? Well, I can say it's clear, it's closer than it's ever been before. Luke twenty one twenty eight. Stand up and lift 
your heads towards your... I'll read it again. Stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The challenge in all of this, the substance of the sermon. Take that one down if you like, David. Or you can leave it up if you like. It doesn't matter. Leave it there. The big point to ponder with regard to the picture parables. Look for God in the everydayness of life. Next scripture, Deuteronomy 4.29. But if you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. This is the challenge for today. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you look for him with all your heart and all your soul. Now here's a couple of facts to help us find him. Firstly, acquire knowledge of God and his ways. If you don't know about something, you won't be watching out for it. If you go walking up Belair Natural Park and you don't know there are kangaroos, emus, and koala bears, there's every chance you won't see them because you just be stumbling along. But if you know they're there and you know where they are, you'll be watching for them and see them. Same with God. Once you know about it, it leads you to seek him out. The foundational way of obtaining knowledge of God and his ways, his word, the Bible. If you're familiar with his word, you'll see God in his world. Secondly, ask God to open our eyes. One man said, I cannot see God. The other said, I cannot not see God. Good advice found in the words of 119, Psalm 119. God opened my eyes that I might see. Of course, God sent Jesus to help us see. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me to recover the sight of the blind. Yes, Jesus healed the physically blind, but he wants to also heal the spiritually blind. If we want our eyes to open to God and his world and his ways, like the physically blind man that came to Jesus and was healed and proclaimed, once I was blind, but now I see. We can come to Jesus in our spiritual blindness and be healed and proclaimed once I was blind, but now I see. Jesus said very clearly, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. With Jesus in our lives, picture parables will illuminate. Here's the wonderful truth I'm going to close with. I mentioned the words look and looking and looked occur over 6.30 times in the Bible. Well, so many times they're referring to the fact that God is looking down from heaven to us. He's looking for us. This speaks to us of God's interest. Psalm 14.2, the Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand or any who seek him. Do we seek him? Do we look for him in his world? Do we not only want him to speak to us through his word, but uh, through the wonders of nature? God wants us to seek him. Why? Because he wants to hang out with us. The beautiful parable. Should be not the parable of the prodigal son, but the parable parable of the loving father the father's heart was for his son he's watching for him he's watching for him to come home why because he wanted to share the journey of life that his son was living 
We're told God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He wants us to enjoy life, but he wants to be with us. You parents, we've probably all been parents, most anyway, and they are now. Isn't it a joy to share the joy of your kids as they discover things and they explore this, this world? The joy is just in seeing them express their joy. God wants to do that with us. He so wants to be with us and share the joy as we live in his created world. Why does God say, why are we told in the Bible to pray continually? Because God wants to be with us continually. It doesn't mean we talk all the time, but we're there. Like if I travel with Narina uh, to Victor Harbour, I'm not talking to her all the time. No, she's talking to me. Well, that's not true. That was a fun line. You're just there and you're, you're enjoying each other. And if you say, oh, did you see those kangaroos? And, and God wants us to enjoy our journey with him alongside he lives, he lives. You know the hymn. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. The last words, if you know God, his ways, his words, his wonder, we will feel his hand, be aware of his presence and learn lessons in his world that is filled with picture parables of scripture. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O God. Beautiful scripture to finish on. Over to you, Sam. Music team. Could I just pray this little prayer? God, I pray that every one of us here today will drink of your living water. Pray that we'll be aware of your presence every day, everywhere. Amen. Thanks, David. We're just going to end the service. To, um, with the song Anchor because our hope is anchored in the Lord so if you'd like to stand and sing with us this morning
hold on to. It's not about ourselves. It's not about what we do, but it's about what you've done for us. Thanks, music team, and thank you, David. I really get the sense a walk with you would be quite wonderful and uh, insightful. And it's a great reminder to me that, yeah, you need to actually take the time. You need to slow down and be observational when you're looking um, to see the things of the Lord. And um, that's a great encouragement, I think. So if there's someone here tonight, today, uh, that wants to have some prayer and needs to take some time and just slow down and hear from the Lord, uh, there is the prayer room out the back here and we'll be uh, welcoming to have a, a time of prayer with you. Um, but yeah, let's just finish the service now in prayer. Oh Lord, we just thank you so much that you are full of wonder and that your creation uh, sings of your amazingness and uh, your worth. And uh, yeah, Lord, we just, uh, we we. We reflect it to you, Lord, that you are a good God in all things. And um, yeah, help us to take a pace that is uh, um, able to help us see who you are in all things, as David shared today in these pictures. Um, yeah, and we just want to uh, yeah, reflect in you and be part of what you're doing in this, in this world. And um, yeah, we just uh, offer up our hearts to you, Lord, as we take the time to uh, invest and seek you out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, everyone. Um, yeah, that closed the service. So, uh, yeah, please enjoy some fellowship, and we'll see you next week.